0: and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Now, welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by one of the marvelous members of the Blueprint MCAT Live Online instructor crew, hanging out with my good friend, Alex, today talking about the MCAT and medical school admissions in 2022. What will it look like? We share some thoughts, some hypotheses, that we will see what happens with the AAMC and the MCAT with COVID. Are we going to go back to a shorter MCAT? Are we going to go back to three tests a day? Are we going to just stay in status quo where we are now? We've already seen one change with the MCAT dropping the far majority of afternoon Tests uh, that they have added for 2021. They these look those look like they're gone for the most part in 2022, with some exceptions. So there's there's things changing, and how will medical school admissions look as well? Is this Fauci thing, this Fauci effect, a real thing or is it not? You'll hear all of our thoughts on our episode today. Don't forget to check out BlueprintMCAT.com. Set up a free account. Yes, a free account. No strings attached to get access to full length one, which we've been covering here on the MCAT podcast. You get access to their half length diagnostic, access to over 1600 flashcards on their brand new spaced repetition flashcard platform, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Go check it out, blueprintmcat.com. Andrew, back for some more MCAT podcasts. This time, I get you not just for uh, going over full-length exams, but actually just having a fun conversation this week about kind of what's going to happen in 2022. I can't believe as we're recording this, it's already September 2021. Time flies with this application cycle in every year. So I'm excited to chat with you about kind of what's to
1: come next year. What do you think? Wait, wait, I know. Wait, oh, oh, my about goodness. I, I always feel like I, I feel like in my head, it's still like early 2020. And I was like, <laughs> wait, like where, like where does the time go? Is it time, dis- disappeared time into a time warp.
0: Time froze when the <laughs> pandemic started.
1: We, we all are pretending
0: it's still March of 2020. Uh, but unfortunately, it is not. We are getting older and uh, the application cycles to medical school continue on. And you know, right, you're in the middle of an application cycle right now. Uh, previously, we're in an, another application cycle uh, previously. From your just process, as, as you went through mm-hmm. this, right, you're in the 2021-2022 the application cycle, hoping to start medical school in 2022. We'll mm-hmm. start with your personal experience. Were there any big changes that you noticed occurred from an application cycle standpoint whether it's kind of the process of registering for AMCAS or questions they may ask or or different parts of a secondary that that may be our new post pandemic what was it for you
1: personally before we jump into this kind of big picture stuff yeah absolutely because of course you know i i took my mcat just before the pandemic so i guess i was fortunate and- fortunate enough that kind of that wasn't, that part itself wasn't affected. But yeah, so I think the changes to Amcat's and to the application cycle are really interesting because of course, you know, me, I think like so many other people have had, you know, COVID related disruptions. I mean, perhaps at its most straightforward, like how are you supposed to you know, get shadowing experience when hospitals don't allow shadowing because, of course, you know, it's a risk to public health or they don't want you to contract COVID, especially (laughs) before the vaccines were rolled out. And so, uh, yeah, so kind of I think initially the first thing I noticed is um, in secondaries, all of these prompts that ask you, how was your experience affected by COVID? And what I think is super interesting is that every medical school approaches this prompt slightly differently. You know, there are some medical schools which I, I think effectively are asking you, what experience did you experiences did you have planned that were cancelled? You know, other medical schools would say, you know, Lel, how did COVID affect you personally, right? You know, maybe asking, you know, instead of just saying like, oh, you know, I was supposed to shadow for this many hours and it didn't happen, instead asking perhaps what degree of personal disruption did it cause you and how will that better allow us to contextualize your application? Yeah. Then kind of the third type of prompt, which I thought was uh, super interesting, which was, I think of it as like, you know, COVID from 10,000 feet up, which is not necessarily how did COVID impact you personally? but how did COVID impact your conception of the healthcare system or society as a whole?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think those are three great buckets to throw it in. And it's very interesting to me what it says about the medical schools based on the question that they are actually answering. To me, I wanna go to the schools that are asking how to just affect you and your life. Right, allow me to go. Well, my uncle died, or my aunt died, or my grandfather died, which which is true, right? My grandfather died of COVID in April of 2020, and and oh so d- does that affect? Uh, of did that affect your MCAT? Like, can, can I line up what you're telling me about personal struggles of, of family member illnesses or what have you, or or even COVID affected my parents' ability to work right? And and maybe um, I'm an immigrant uh, and the field that my parents worked in got shut down because they they weren't essential workers and whatever. And so now we were more worried about putting food on the table and paying rent than studying for the MCAT. And it, it, as you mentioned, right, it just really helps contextualize the whole application. And I think schools that ask that question in that specific way really care, or at least they're, they're, trying to show that they care even if they really don't right versus they're
1: like you know they're asking for the information you know in a sense if you don't ask for the story it can't be considered yeah, right yeah you can't versus the schools
0: that are like we really just care about how many shadowing hours you have and how much clinical experience you have and if you don't have enough tell us if if that was affected so that we can really just make sure that the numbers line up Right. It's just like, okay. Um, And and then I I don't really know how to take the, the, the 10,000, 30,000 foot view ones of like, how did it change your perception of the healthcare field or, or whatever? Um, I'm really trying to understand what the, the schools are getting out of that because I think we, we've we seen very early on, there's this huge shift in the perception of healthcare providers during this pandemic. The start of it, right? There, there are people lining up outside the hospitals and you're our hero and thank thank you and you're saving us. And now it's like, why are you trying to save us? Like I don't want your medicines. I want to go. I want to go take this other thing that that Joe Rogan talks about. And and uh, and now like healthcare providers are villainized for trying to to save people. And it's just the weird shift of public perception among a, a certain subset of people. Um, and I can't. I guess I understand why schools want to see that. But my my guess is that if you're still applying to medical school, you still want to be a physician this too shall pass, this kind of craziness that we're in, uh, hopefully this anti-science craziness that we're in uh, will pass and and medicine will be medicine and you, you'll work as a physician. So I don't really understand kind of big picture what they're looking for there. Do, do you
1: have any thoughts on what do you think they're trying to get out of that question? Yeah, I've been, I think I've kind of mentally tied it into, you know, I, in fact, you, know, you you've said on, you said on, you know, on this very podcast, which is, you know, you need to be prepared, for example, for you know, in an interview setting for a, med- for, a, for a medical school to ask you, you know, what do you think is the most pressing issue that affects U.S. healthcare you know, delivery today? Or, you know, if you could snap your fingers overnight and change one aspect of the U.S. health system, what would it be? Yeah. And I always feel like the, the quality that they're by proxy looking for there is, are you someone who has broadly considered the structure of healthcare delivery as it is in this country? And are you someone who's able to kind of, uh make a reasoned considered and sympathetic analysis and argument for why yeah. you know for why what you think is you know is the right course of action is the right course of action if i if i had to guess that kind of view on this covid prompt is the same thing which is you know this is a generation defining crisis that intima- intimately involves the us healthcare system You know, we want medical students who can think thoughtfully and caringly and sympathetically about what that means in the bigger picture and possibly, you know, prescribe directions or, you know, identify areas of future change. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for uh, that personal kind of take there. Let's talk about the application cycle from 2020 to 2021 right? 2020 was um, the, the pandemic hit March of 2020, right? Mostly mm-hmm. is when it affected the US, uh, where things kind of shut down. May and June of 2020 is the application cycle that opened up during the pandemic. And we saw all this news and, and media hype around the Fauci effect. Do you remember hearing
1: all about the Fauci effect? I do, I do. Or the, I feel like for I, it came in these interesting waves. I feel like the first, the first wave, if you uh, which we don't, which we don't recommend, is if you perhaps poked around in the you know pre-med forums of the internet was <laughs> oh, this is such a great cycle to apply because people will have been you know people's journeys would have been disrupted and they wouldn't have applied to medical school. Which I mean, personally as a take, I think is perhaps a little bit immoral. Like you know, oh, like oh yeah, it's good for me because all these people won't be able to become doctors. But I mean, you know, putting that thermally to one side for the moment. Um, and then I feel like we saw, you know, of course, last cycle saw record applicants. Although I would perhaps argue that, you know, we've we've been seeing record applicants kind of cycle on cycle for a number of years now anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, people saying, yeah, it's the Fauci effect. You know, we've pushed epidemiology and healthcare delivery to the forefronts of everyone's mind. So they're going to be applying to medical school. And um, I think that's a very powerful idea, which once you put it into somebody's mind, it becomes very easy to spread. And it almost, I think, almost became perhaps like almost like a meme within certain premed circles. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know about you, Ryan. I, I didn't find this concept very compelling. Right? I mean, I'm sure everyone that's listening today knows the kind of very deliberate, very long-term, very yeah. goal-directed actions that applying to medical school requires. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not something that you know. Come March, you, I, suddenly, I rolled out of bed one day. <laughs> Yeah, 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 oh, yeah! I should do this medicine thing. I, I guess I'll just, I guess I'll just apply next month.
0: Yeah, the the fast food worker was like, you know what? Since this pandemic, I, I just, I think I want to go to medical school, so I'm going to apply this cycle and see what happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, that's that's what all of the media made it out to be is like all these random people just all of a sudden was like, I'm going to apply to medical school, and it, it's because of Dr. Fauci. And we all know that that doesn't happen. Right, and so I, I think one of the questions that comes from everything that has happened uh, around the application cycle uh, from 2020 to 2021, and now 2021, 2022, the one that you're currently in is, uh, especially students applying in 2022 to start medical school in 2023 is is the application cycle going to be harder? Is it going to be more competitive? Are there going to be more people that are applying? And so to to really look forward to next cycle, which is where I want to go, we have to look back a little bit and really talk about this Fauci effect and go, was there anything to it? Now, my assumption is, and, and I was just pulling up uh, an NPR article about it, that the AAMC, of course, they make all of the money when more people apply to medical school. So, of course, they're really excited about trying to promote more people want to go to medical school because they get more money, right? It, it is super, super jaded uh, on their uh, on their front. And so, I, I think the number is 18% um, more applicants, right? More applicants, not applications because each applicant can obviously increase the number of applications they are submitting. But -hmm. they're saying 18% more applicants. And so again, who are these people? And they don't really tell us, right? They don't say these applicants were grocery store workers and didn't want to be frontline grocery store workers. They wanted to be frontline doctors now. And and they were English majors yesterday. And now all of a sudden they're applying to medical school with no prereqs, right? And no MCAT score to, to tie it into the MCAT podcast. Where I personally think m- all, m- most, if not all of these applicants came from, were students who were planning on applying in 2021, but heard that, oh, there are some schools thinking about dropping the MCAT requirement. I'm going to put in my application now because I basically have everything else. I was just waiting on taking the MCAT, but I'm just going to try because, hey, I'm a bad test taker and I have test anxiety and I know I'm not going to do great on the MCAT. So I'm going to be able to get into Stanford because Stanford has said that the MCAT is, is optional this year.
1: Absolutely. Or or the one that the one that stood out to me was perhaps people who perhaps would have applied two years from now that have pulled it forward because they happen to have a lot of time sitting at home. And, you know, ultimately applying to medical school does take a lot of time.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's crazy.
0: Stanford their their data, according to this NPR article, is they saw a fifty percent jump in the number of applications. I'm like, yeah, because you said the MCAT was optional, right? Stanford was one of the the first big names out there that said we're we're going to make the MCAT optional, and I think they're doing it this year as well, 2021 to 2022. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, they're going to see more applications, more applicants because they made it optional. And I think that's where all of these people came from. The, these weren't people that just woke up one day and go, I wanna go to medical school, right? We know, we've seen, when, when we have uh, recessions and depressions and uh, traumatic stuff like 9-11, people always go back to education. They, they, fall by, they fall back on education to help propel them forward in life through tough times. And so I think in a couple years, we will very likely see a more natural increase in applications and applicants who were doing something else and then decided to go back to undergrad or go get their prereqs or whatever that looks
1: like, and then they're going to apply to medical school.
0: Yes, yeah, so. Absolutely.
1: I, and I, I think and I wouldn't be surprised if we see the return of the Fauci Effect <laughs> article, you know, three years from now, yeah. when perhaps all the people who are inspired, you know, have now, you know, have now kind of brought themselves to the position where they are able to apply. Yeah. So from an MCAT
0: perspective, right, where the MCAT podcast mm-hmm. from an MP- MCAT perspective, for those applying in 2022 or out into the future, and there's still a random Stanford or a random school out there that's like, oh yeah, the MCAT's optional. What is what is the word on the street in terms of should I take the MCAT or should I just apply to these one or two or three schools that the MCAT is optional?
1: Yeah. So this is this is a, a really interesting and a really nuanced question that of course entirely depends on your particular background. Um in general, uh you should take the MCAT to apply to medical school, you know, while there are some schools which have gone MCAT optional, or indeed, uh, you know, I believe the UC system have mostly, if not entirely, gone MCAT blind, which is, of course, a step beyond MCAT optional. Uh, And kind of the interesting thing about that is that, yes, you know, now for the first time in a long time, you know, You can go to medical school without having taken the MCAT without being in, for example, a special, um, say, combined bachelor's MD program that doesn't require it. This said for the vast majority of applicants, taking the MCAT is the right decision. And, you know, I know that's I know that's really easy for me to say, like, oh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. person who works at an MCAT prep company says you should take the MCAT. But, you know, allow allow me to make the case, you know. The average, you know, you know, like Ryan, like when a student comes up, comes up to you and says, how many medical schools should I apply to this cycle? What number do you normally give them? I don't give them a number. I'm like, uh, it's the average
0: is 17, right? The double MC yeah. says the average is 17, uh, for MD schools. The average for DO schools is nine, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. and so th- the answer is uh, how, how big is your wallet uh, yeah. and how much time oh. do you have to write secondaries?
1: Because that's a, a, a big factor as well. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, like for most people, you should be casting your MD, you know, and DO net fairly wide, right? Because medical school admissions is hard. It's really hard to go to medical school. And ultimately you want to maximize your chances of becoming a physician to do that you know, there are, you know, there are not, for example, 20 MCAT optional schools in the country. Yeah. You know, to put yourself on the kind of statistical level that you really want to be so that you don't have to reapply so that you don't have to go back and study for the, you know, and study and, you know, take out time to study for the MCAT. You should be taking the MCAT. And there are, you know, and ultimately, you know, for the vast majority of people, if you approach the MCAT in a structured way, in a, in a you know, in a uh, in a careful way and take all of the steps that you need to do, you know, the kind of score that you need to become a physician is not out of reach. Yeah.
0: Fact, factor in for the people out there who are like, well, I have a 4.0 GPA, and mm-hmm. and so there may be the Stanford out there or whatever school they're going to look at my 4.0 gpa and they're going to really love that i'm really scared about the mcat and so i would much rather apply without the mcat with my 4.0 gpa and and just see what
1: happens yeah i think particularly for schools like stanford you know stanford's average matric- matriculant mcat score is you know is very high it's you know north of the 98th percentile it's yeah. it's, it's very high and you know, with that in mind, I, I think there's an interesting point to Stanford, you know, going MCAT optional, because in the sense that basically all of this, you know, all of the students that they accept that don't submit an MCAT are probably the types of students who, you know, weren't able to take the MCAT for, you know, really serious personal mitigating circumstance reasons. And, but, you know, who probably, if they had taken it, would have done very well. I think it's really easy to often perhaps read in more to these kinds of decisions than perhaps they actually signal. Mm. And that ultimately, you know, getting into Stanford is really, really hard. And, you know, you, can, you can't pin all of your hopes on Stanford, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we saw the, the I'm sorry. Sorry, Go ahead. Like one 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 more point on that yeah. as well, which is that um the MCAT is really hard. The MCAT is really <laughs> it is really scary. You know, no, everyone it's important. listening. <laughs> I you know, I promise both Ryan and I understand that. Yeah. But you know, like Ryan, you're a doctor. Medical school also has a lot of high-stakes standardized examinations. Yeah. Yeah. It
0: it does. It does. Um so when the pandemic started, and mm-hmm. obviously there were lots of lockdowns and stay-at-home orders and all of this stuff, the AAMC very much drew a line in the sand and said, we will not create a virtual test. Um, yeah. Obviously, the test is virtual. You just have to go to a testing center. But they wouldn't allow students to take it on their own computers, log into a website, have a virtual proctor, et cetera. The AAMC, for some reason... Counter to every other major, as far as I know, every other major test creator out there uh, has said that the MCAT can't do that. <laughs> and do do you see that changing at all in the future as we continue through uh, Delta and Lambda and Mu and all of the new variants that are
1: going to come in the next couple of years? I you know it's it's of course in, you know the amc very often is a black box in terms of the actions that they take in the sense that you know it's very it can be very difficult to gain any kind of insight of as to what's happening on the inside i mean barring truly exceptional circumstances it's not going to happen
0: yeah yeah they they you know, they've made when, it
1: they've made it known <laughs> yeah and they you know like and if if there was ever a time where it was going to happen it would have been last year yeah you know if there's the spread of a variant which you know and you know let's let's all hope collectively that this doesn't happen you know if there if there, if you know if a variant spreads which is you know an order of magnitude more of a public health crisis than the ones we're dealing with now then you know perhaps they would revisit this issue i, I think it is the probability yeah. is vanishingly small yeah. Yeah, th-
0: th- this came up very early on when when I was first looking at this and why the agency hasn't done it. There was a big call for them to do this in 2017, I believe the year was. There was a, a major hurricane that hit um Puerto Rico and mm. and the island was devastated and the testing centers were closed. And so you you had a whole island that's like we want to take the MCAT, right? Puerto Rico has has medical schools, U- U.S. medical schools, on the island, yeah. and and they take a lot of their students from from their island, and it's students who couldn't take the MCAT. They had to fly to the mainland if they could get out to to take the MCAT, and and people were like, Double MC, like let them take it online at home if they have power and internet. Uh, and, and there was a huge push back then, and then obviously twenty twenty rolls around, and and there's still <laughs> crickets from the Double unfortunately. So. The, the MCAT also changed in length from this seven-and-a-half-hour test to a five-hour test or whatever it changed to um, to fit more people in in the testing centers and have three tests a day instead of the one test a day it was previously and now two tests a day uh, that it is now. Do, do you see the AMC
1: changing the format of the test again to accommodate anything? The AAMC their entire job is to provide a standardized testing experience i think last year was a you know unprecedented anomaly um they now that they've you know returned to the standard testing length i don't i don't think would i don't think we'd see them shorten it again you know they've yeah. i think in their minds they've appropriately addressed those kinds of concerns by shifting the test timing so of course now you can take it at two times you can take it at 7 30 in the morning or you can take it at 3 p.m um which i which i which i often say to my students they're kind of ah oh, they both involve trade-offs just in different ways <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and, and I've, uh, I've talked to a lot of students who who really want that morning spot and other students who really want that afternoon spot just based on their own kind of circadian rhythm and, and sleep patterns
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no. I mean, I'd be an. If you know, if I were booking my test, I'd be like, "Give me the three p.m. I am perfectly fine with finishing at ten thirty at night." Yeah,
0: yeah, that works.
1: um, (sighs) So I I think, I think, I think to the AMC, they they feel like they have adequately addressed criticism regarding test provisioning, and I think, although you know, to many people that may be disappointing, but.
0: That's, that's what we are, especially the people who are needing to travel five, six hours or flying somewhere to, to be able to take the exam because their local testing center is, is closed or uh, is full or what, what have you. And, and I just, I'm in the middle of reading a book called why we sleep and, and reading that book, I'm like, one thing I want to talk about from now on is if you can prevent at all costs needing to travel for the MCAT, do mm-hmm. it. The, the book talks about research about sleeping in hotel rooms and our body, right? Our, our bodies is built to protect us. Um, and it knows that you're in a new sleeping environment and it will not let you get into as deep of a sleep as you normally would at home if you're mm-hmm. sleeping in a hotel room. Because it's like, uh uh-oh, this is a new cave I'm sleeping in. (laughs) I don't know if bears or hyenas or or saber-toothed tigers come around this way. Um, And and you don't sleep as well. Mm -hmm. On top of the normal test anxiety that you would have, potentially preventing you from sleeping well, you have your own body's kind of built-in protection mechanisms not letting you sleep as well. And so uh, I'm now kind of screaming from the
1: rooftops, like, don't travel to take the MCAT because it's just not good. I, I will I will send and we can trim this out of the podcast if it doesn't fit, but I will send you an article. That book has actually come under quite a lot of scientific criticism really? for, Ooh, cool. for being for be, for being um overzealous with its representation of the data. Nice. Like it, it's interesting. It, it's come up the, the author is an is an English guy actually based at mm-hmm. Berkeley, I believe, and is that book has been subject to some quite heavy criticism. Nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh we'll we'll leave that in because that's that's some uh the good stuff, right?
0: That that's that's called science, right? You read something really? and uh something gets put out and then other people are like, ah, wait a minute. Um so good, glad, glad to know that's out there. Um all right, so one of the other big changes, you mentioned it already a little bit in terms of shadowing and clinical experience and, and that being affected. What are your thoughts from what you've seen? Uh, again, through your own application cycle, how do you think admissions committees are going to be dealing with students coming in with less clinical experience, less shadowing, less whatever because of all of the shutdowns and and everything
1: yeah, in fact, this I think this ties into one of the things I love so much about this very podcast is that kind of you have stressed repeatedly over many, many years and you know have had you know, and have, you know, you have interviewed admissions committee members or, you know, deans of admissions at medical schools. And I think it's always worth emphasizing, right, that this is not an algorithm which decides the med school class, right? Everyone who makes these admissions calls and decisions, they are real people. They are real people who want to build, like, The best possible medical school, like a matriculated class that they possibly can. And they do that explicitly by considering students, not numbers. And, you know, I think it's really easy to kind of lose sight of that when you're applying because I think at points it can feel quite impersonal. But ultimately, you know, this is a situation that absolutely everyone applying has gone through. I promise, you know, every single admissions committee member in every single medical school in the country will be aware of this because it affects everyone, you know, including them personally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very frustrating question that I get that completely in my mind lacks self-awareness and understanding that there are other people out in the world besides you. When students are like, Well, because of the pandemic, I didn't get a lot of shadowing. I'm like, do you think you're the only student out there (laughs) that this affected? Like, if you are, we have some major problems. Um, And and so if you want to ask that question, ask, right? Obviously, because of the pandemic, shadowing was really affected for for every student. Like, How do you think it's going to to be looked at? But so many students are like, well, this just affected me, and I don't know what to do now. Uh, And it's just super frustrating. So uh, another resource I just want to plug for a second is Inside Med Admissions. Um, If you go to our Mapped YouTube channel, mapped.tv, we have – uh, the first episode of Inside Med Admissions is, doc- is Dr. Scott Wright, former director of admissions at UT Southwestern, interviewing three other directors of admissions about COVID and its impact. Mm-hmm. And we were talking specifically about the 2020 to 2021 application cycle, but it, I, I think it was that that application cycle. It might be the 2021, 2022. Oh, it is 2022, 2021, 2022. So many numbers. Um, application cycle and and- and as you said, right, they are aware because the medical schools themselves had to deal with this problem at the beginning, too, of, of are our medical students going to be able to get the rotations that they need or are they going to be blocked from going into the hospital because it's only going to be the essential people Needed to, needed to take care of patients and, and medical students potentially aren't on that list. So medical schools had to deal with it. And obviously the directors of admissions are aware of the problem and
1: are adjusting. Yeah. Don't worry, medical schools did have to deal with the most pressing public health crisis in a century.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they uh, understand. So if to, you're-, if to, you're plug, s- to,
1: plug an, to plug an earlier episode, I would highly yeah. recommend that everyone listening here uh, go back and listen to your interview with uh, Dean Rivera, the, um, mm. admi- uh, the head of admissions at NYU. Yeah. I don't know if it's the MCAT podcast or if it was the it's pre-med years. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and I, I think that was, you know, that was relatively, that was that was like kind of... That was very early, early on. Yeah. And I think he, you know, he did a really great... Oh, of course, and I had the pleasure to kind of end up to speak with him personally uh, a bit after that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, of of course they're aware. How could they not be?
0: Yeah, yeah, Raphael, good good friend. I I love having him on the podcast and uh, get getting to pick his brain. So so really, when it what it comes down to is is as students are really worried about the the changes that are coming um, in terms of uh, are there going to be more students applying. Are, is it going to be more competitive? How are medical school, schools going to view this? Do they know that things are, are difficult for us? The answer is, applying to medical school has always been hard. It will always be hard. I think we both kind of agree that the 2020 bump, this quote-unquote Fauci effect, were mostly very rushed applications of people trying to take advantage of a lack of MCAT that ultimately didn't pan out, I think, as as many people hoped it would. And so that was just a lot of extra revenue for the WMC and and maybe secondary essay revenue for medical schools. And, and most of those students didn't get into medical school and are just going to need to reapply to medical school. And so it's it's not going to be more competitive. It's just going to be it, it's going to be the way it is, right? People still need to do well in their classes and still need to do well in their MCAT and uh, and everything else. I, I think um, the the potential silver lining is for those students who have always had a hard time finding shadowing, finding clinical experience. Those coming from minority or disadvantaged backgrounds who don't have mommy or daddy as doctors or don't have all of their neighbors as doctors because they live in in nicer neighborhoods. Is, is the fact that medical schools may lower a lot of what they've been looking for and and may look holistically, I hate that buzzword, uh, may look more holistically at, at everything and, and really question, do we really need to have a filter of you have to have 40 hours of shadowing experience in three different uh, specialties? So I think there's a silver lining for some people out there.
1: And by the way, I often think the biggest silver lining, at least in terms of financial savings, is remote interviews. Oh, huge, huge! Like you know, to the you know to the tune of sometimes for people you know, if you're a you know if you're a low income but very strong applicant, you know, if you're the if you're the kind of applicant who you know, and some people do, it's not enormously common, but you know, some people you know go into a cycle and get ten interviews. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that is a crushing financial burden, yeah. but at the same time, it's really difficult to look at an interview invite when they're saying, like, you know, when you don't have an offer of admission yet, and to say, no, sorry, I can't come. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I think that's one of the biggest silver linings, and I think that's something that's here to stay. I've talked to a lot of people, and they really like virtual interviews, but... Um, Because it allows them more flexibility from an interviewer standpoint, uh, more flexibility with their own schedule. They don't have to be somewhere specific. uh, And so they can fit interviews into their maybe clinic schedule or operating schedule easier. um, And the the financial benefits for students not needing to to fly, uh, have hotel accommodations, as well as... The uh, opportunity cost of missing work, obviously, you still need to miss work to, on your interview day, but maybe the day before and day after, you won't have to miss because you, you're home doing the interview. So, that's a huge change that I think I think a lot of schools will keep some option for virtual interviews. And then the question will come from students is, if they give me the option of in-person and virtual will they think i'm less committed if i do virtual and and that's just a question unfortunately that we'll we'll have to see how that
1: plays out i know i i i really hope that for the students for the schools that uh, that retain a virtual interview that it's either you know like we'll randomly assign it or yeah. it's done in or it's done in some way that like is carefully constructed to minimize biases right because i think it's Possibly really easy, even if you don't explicitly consider it as part of your admissions criteria, right? I think it's really easy, for example, for even on an implicit bias level, right? That like, I saw this person in person and therefore there's just a part of my brain that likes them more and thinks they would be a better fit in our class.
0: Yeah, I I had more oxytocin release and dopamine release uh, when they were in my presence. Therefore, I have a stronger attachment to them.
1: It all comes down to science. This applicant was taller than I expected, and (laughs) this one was just on Zoom. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, so many things to think about. So
0: ultimately for the student, and we'll wrap up here, ultimately for the student, I I think there are a lot of questions that are unanswered. There's a lot of what-ifs out there that you have no control over. And so in my mind... It's just useless to even worry about it. Right. Yeah. Understand that there's there's a lot of this and that and and what ifs and and whatever, right? Focus on what you can do, what will help you stand out from an application standpoint, grades, MCAT score, clinical experience, shadowing, all that normal stuff, and then telling your story and your your personal statement and interviews and stuff like that. And then and then just keep pushing forward and and don't don't stress the small things and and worry about how each individual medical school is going to handle
1: lack of shadowing and lack of clinical experience etc. So I like to, I like to frame it as a, I think, which really helped me when I was approaching this was I like to frame this as I think it's really easy to think of this process adversarially, you know, I'm trying to fashion my body into a triangle shaped projectile to fit through the triangle shaped hole that medical school, school X has fashioned for me that I need to, you know, they'll let me in resentfully, yeah you know, And I think it's really, I think when you reverse the perspective, when you think about like being on an admissions committee, you know, medical schools ultimately really want you to apply there, you know, and of course, you know, not just for secondary revenue, they really want, you know, more than anything, it is their whole, it's their job. They want to fill their medical school class with kind of engaged and interesting and passionate people. Mm. You know, they want to fill their classes with kind of the best, you know, with the best possible people that they can find, you know, you are making yourself available for them to choose. Right. You know, they are, you know, ultimately I think when mentally reframed, you can see it can, you. it's it's easier to see it perhaps as like a win-win, yeah. you know, and then in that case to see a rejection as a, you know, like it's not that I'm a, you know, a bad or a terrible person. It's just that, you know, maybe I wasn't the perfect fit with this school. Yeah. So for students, what can they be doing today
0: to start preparing for their 2022 application?
1: Uh, the, first, the first point I always, rec- I always suggest is uh, if you haven't taken your MCAT yet and you're planning to take it in January, there is a very valuable link that I give to all of my students who are in this situation, which is if you go onto the AMC website, there is an email mailing list alert
0: mm. uh,
1: that they will that will email you as soon as booking is booking dates are like the day that you can book your test yeah. is announced and then the day that it opens. In that this is, you know, meaningful post-COVID in the sense that, of course, booking MCAT dates, depending on where you live, has always been difficult. You know, I got burned by that personally when I was first studying. I, like, you know, went to go book my test six weeks in advance and was like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, they're all booked out. Oh, within 600 miles. Oh, guess I'm not taking it this summer. Um, And get on that mailing list. Fill out the link. Put in your email address, be notified. For January test dates, they open, they're going to release the, they will clarify details by mid-September. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks at time of recording. uh, And that they will open bookings in approximately mid-October. Follow the AMC MCAT account on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, download it, make an account just for this purpose and set up like basically notifications on your phone so that, you know, coming up to the day, whenever that Twitter account tweets, it like sends you the equivalent of a text message. Yeah, that that was actually something that I I
0: think I liked them doing last year, or not last year, but the last time registration opened for the MCAT is they changed because historically, the WMC is just horrendous at... Their IT infrastructure and their websites are constantly crashing, and they get over overwhelmed very easily. Um, and, and they know, they know, they know. Lots of students that are trying to register for the MCAT at one time, right? And so, this past year, they have done MCAT registration across two days to ba- to basically say, and and, and I, I don't know if this is the exact line, but anything east of the Mississippi River. Is on you're registering on test day one uh, or on on day one, and anything west of the Mississippi, you're registering on the second day. So that they're splitting their their volume of people coming to the website in half, which I think is is a great idea and and something I applaud the WMC for actually doing and trying something different for once.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, all of this isn't. And they also implemented a waitlist system, I believe, for the first time. Um, and yeah, I mean, all of this is in service, right? Of like, you know, ultimately they have a lot of demand for people taking their tests, right? And they have to allocate it somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of like what best to do for this cycle, what I think is really interesting about, about this cycle in particular is in a lot of ways on the specifics of what you should be doing, how little it actually varies from a typical cycle, right? mm mm-hmm remember you know covid is a huge bump of, co- of course it is but ultimately the qualities that medical schools are looking for in med- in prospective medical students are the same as ever they want people who are committed they want people who are compassionate they want people who you know have the fire within them to pursue a career which is very difficult but that ultimately, can, that, that, it, that ultimately is very meaningful. You know, all of the qualities that they are kind of trying to select by remain the same, which means actually a lot of the conventional advice applies. You know, get, get experience in healthcare if, if you possibly can. And, you know, Ryan, I know you've done a lot of work with, you know, helping people secure remote shadowing. Yep. eShadowing.com. Um, um, you know, do what, you know, study for your MCAT and do as, you know, and do as well on it as you can, because that's, an, that's a valuable point of data of medical schools. Keep focusing on your grades. Many schools have started to go back to in-person classes, but either way, you know, don't, you know, keep your, you know, keep your GPA at your level of, you know, at your level of potential. Yeah. You know, these are all the same, you know, selection criteria that have been true for years and years and years. And ultimately, this cycle, you know, for all of its quirks is mostly no different. Yeah,
0: it will work out. Do all the things that will help you as an applicant. Uh, Don't don't try to stand out. Just tell your story, get the experiences and uh, ultimately you'll be successful as you will be, Alex. Fingers crossed that uh, everything works yeah. well for you this cycle. Yeah, try not to stand out. I think I kind of fell on that hurdle, but oh well. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Um, Alex, if people want to get some of your brilliant MCAT advice, you are a live online instructor with Blueprint MCAT. How can How can students find out more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you uh, go to Blueprint MCAT, we you can sign up. You can sign up for the live online course. It's uh, a sixteen lesson series of two and a half hours each, where we kind of really dive into, you know, not just the MCAT itself, but your approach to it. Right? You know, I think the interesting thing, and you know, and the the live course at Blueprint is actually relatively new. But I, I what I really like about it is that. I think it's really easy to approach the MCAT thinking that it's just a test of content, right? And of, of course, that's something that you've, you know, that's a conception, right, that, you've, that we've, you know, you've kind of debunked, you know, ad nauseum on this very podcast. But ultimately, I think it's really, you know, it's really difficult, right, as someone studying for the MCAT to say, well, how do I improve on strategy? You know, I can read about the electron transport chain, but you know, how do I, how do I approach questions strategically? That's a, that's a very difficult skill to learn. I think sitting by yourself, looking at a biochemistry textbook, which is why the live course really is, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's two instructors who just, you know, go through MCAT content, you know, like we would, unlike we did on test day, which is, you know, here is here's the content that you need to answer this question but ultimately this is also you know your opportunity to get 30 plus hours of listening to you know two instructors say well you know as someone who did well on this test here's how i would approach this question you know here's how i would deduce that a was the correct answer even if i didn't remember any of the underlying content and you know there are even a few questions from the course which I think take that to the extreme which I think is just you know and, and certainly for someone like me when I was studying for the MCAT I think you know this experience would have just been like gold dust like oh my goodness I didn't even realize that was logically possible <laughs> yeah
0: blueprintmcat.com go go check it out and uh, check out that live online course Alex, thanks for coming and uh sharing your thoughts on COVID and the the application cycle and, and what's to come, hopefully, or or not hopefully, maybe in 2022. We
1: can hope. It'll all it'll all it'll all work out in the end.
0: All right, so there you have it. Those are our thoughts for 2022. What things will look like. Hopefully. Most of everything we said is true. And you know what? It, it the medical school admissions process has always been Uh, competitive. It has always been hard. Uh, About half of the people, if not a little bit more, don't get in to medical school every year. And I don't think that's going to change. I think for 2020 to 2021, a lot of people applied hoping that they were going to take advantage of schools saying, oh yeah, we're not going to worry about the MCAT this cycle. And that just didn't come into fruition. So We shall see as we move forward. I wish you the best of luck in your application cycle. And don't forget to check out blueprintmcat.com. Go set up a free account for all of those amazing free goodies. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.